Hello, and welcome to Lauren.Live, spirituality, health, and lifestyle podcast. I have a special guest on today, Nina Camille. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Ah, I think you're the furthest Zoom guest that I have had so far in Tulum, Mexico. So that's exciting. Mm. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to do a really quick intro and I want to just get into it. We have a lot to cover. Um, Nina Camille is a coach, a yoga teacher, and the founder of Experience Freedom. And um, they do group uh, retreats and uh, there's a lot of life-changing programs. I'm going to have her speak to that in detail, but she does all types of things and she's very spiritual, uh, very heavy spiritual presence. Um, We'll share her Instagram later, but I've been following her for a few weeks and uh, she's very inspirational. She's had some things happen in her personal life uh, that she can speak to um, and uh, just a really beautiful natural essence to her, if you will. So I am very excited to have you here today. Mm, thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, let's dive into it. Um, I think a really a good kind of starting point would just be however you want to share this. Um, just talk about your spiritual journey and what's led you to where you are now. How did you become a yoga teacher, a coach? How did you find experience freedom? Um, what has drawn you to become the spiritual person that you are? Yeah, I love this question because all of our journeys are always so unique and uh, mine's mine's quite unique. Uh, not in that a lot of it came through trauma. I think that's really common for those of us who have found ourselves on a devout spiritual path. Often it's because we've had to. Uh, but I was actually born into a family where my father was a shaman and a healer and a psychic. Um, he's a Haudenosaunee. Uh, so we're native American and, um, he was a very, very powerful spiritual being. And I grew up with him chanting and, um, having a really deep spiritual practice that was quite similar to the one that I actually have now, which is inclusive of all different, uh, practices and, uh, you know, humans explain the answers of life through all these beautiful different avenues. And some of them are religion and some of them are earth based. And, uh, he really sampled from the spiritual buffet, uh, and he was adopted and was a very traumatized man. And so I grew up with this really powerful, strong spiritual figure who was also really emotionally abusive and controlling uh, and manipulative. And because I was so sensitive and so psychic from a very young age, I had all of the gifts that he had probably, and then some, uh, I could tell that something was just wrong and that it didn't feel safe and, and something about it wasn't right. And so for most of my life, I rejected all forms of spirituality. And I was a diehard atheist. I'm like, nope, not going anywhere near that. It's unsafe. Being on a spiritual path leads you to use your power for control and manipulation and abuse. And so I'm going to quiet my spiritual gifts, hide them, pretend they don't exist so that I can just be a good, normal person. Uh, And so I lived that life for a while, but in my, I would say mid twenties, 
in, in early 20s, a lot of the ways that I was using to get love just started to feel a little bit empty. So I was like the popular party girl and one of the guys and a carefree, you know, wild spirit who kind of went and did whatever she wanted. I also was able to really hold great fun jobs really easily get promoted very quickly. I was really intelligent and I knew how to play the game. And I kind of woke up one day and looked around my life and I realized that I had won the external game in all of the ways that I thought you were supposed to. I had amazing friends, a really great reputation, a cool job. I made enough money to take care of myself. I had a great boyfriend, a beautiful apartment. I lived in the city I wanted to. And I just felt so empty. And then I felt guilt for feeling empty because I knew that I was in you know, such a beautiful place and that I should be grateful. And I was grateful, but there was something in me that just felt really untapped. And I knew that what I was doing with my life and my energy was not anywhere near what I actually had to contribute to the world. And so I started seeking, you know, I started following people online that were sharing you know, some truths that felt resonant to me. And I started to go to some like heart opening workshops. And um, I had already been practicing yoga from the time I was about 20 years old. So, you know, I had been in my yoga practice for eight years already, but I was also a partier and a yogi at the same time. And so there was a lot of uh, inner like push pull happening where I felt like two different people in one body. Uh, And it really made me feel like I didn't belong anywhere because when I was playing one role, I knew that that wasn't totally who I was. And when I was in the other space, when I was on my yoga mat and in that community, I felt like a phony because I was still, you know, spending a lot of my time and energy partying and kind of abusing myself in subtle ways that were really obvious to me. And so I kind of scrapped it all and just said, okay, like I can't do this anymore. I'm going to leave the company that I built for five years, which was a destination music festival. It was probably like the sexiest job that a 28 year old could have. Uh, We were like booking DJs and traveling and I I really had my dream job and it just wasn't my dream anymore. And so I moved to the Virgin islands and quit everything and became a yoga teacher. And so once I moved to the Virgin islands, I felt a little bit more like myself than I ever had, but because I had only built one way of getting safety and love in the world, I took it with me. You know, it's like a classic example of we change our environment and we have an opportunity to be different, but if we've only been one way for so long and we only have one pattern or rhythm of getting safety and connection, we're going to repeat it because we don't really know anything else until we do. And so I kind of brought all the same stuff with me to the VI, even though I had this new opportunity to be different. So I was teaching yoga and I started to feel a little bit more like myself, but I fell into a rhythm of behaving similarly where I was still drinking more than I needed to be and using drugs recreationally and, you know, spending more time partying than in my spiritual practice and then showing up on my yoga mat and, you know, being fully there too. And it just started to really take its toll on me. And I kind of would have sat there forever, I think, until I had the 
most earth shattering heartbreak of my life happen. I was so madly in love with my partner and I thought for sure we would be together forever. And I came home from work one day and he was like, I need to end our relationship. And I was like, what? Like, what? <laughs> like I've never been that shocked by anything in my whole life. And I'm not a dense person, you know, for a psychic to be shocked that her relationship is ending. I, I just, I questioned whether or not the sky was still blue. That's how like shattering it was for me. And so it was the first time I allowed myself to actually feel pain and feel sadness and to really be in the depth of despair of loss and hurt and watching all of my abandonment stuff come up and just, I really gave myself permission to look at what was there for the first time. Uh, And so a few months went by I started to really take care of myself and to heal. I quit drinking alcohol. I quit like everything that wasn't in total alignment with me being like the spiritual gangster that I am in this life. I just slashed it out of the world with a machete. It was like full alignment or nothing. And so I started to feel really good and my jobs were shifting. I moved, like I started to feel better in my body. Everything started to come together. I was health coaching and then out of nowhere, my best friend died from an accidental overdose. Wow. And I was just like, what is happening right now? This is all in a manner of 10 months. And so within that time, there were also back-to-back hurricanes in the Virgin Islands. My hometown burnt down from wildfires. My mom was hospitalized and she was intubated and I didn't know if she would ever wake up. I'm grieving the death of my best friend, my heartbreak. It was like a 10-month period where pretty much everything horrifying you think could happen to you, death, heartbreak, natural disaster, family stuff, all of it just hit me in in like the shortest window of time. And it really... Yeah. (laughs) I had friends just look at me and be like, Nina, sometimes I wake up in the morning and I just wonder like, how are you surviving this? And I'm like, honestly, I wake up in the morning and I ask myself the same thing. Um, so I dove into group work and all of the books and I worked really closely with my mentor who I had already been working with for 10 years. And it became very clear that Brandon's death was showing me that I didn't really have time to waste anymore. That if I was going to be here, I get to offer my love and to really show up to my life with authenticity and courage and not run from the truth that had already been bubbling inside me for so long. And so I hired a business coach and I went through a program to create my program, which was really based on the tools that I used to get myself through the hardest year of my life and the hardest year I could imagine a human going through. And that, that's really how Experience Freedom was born and, and how I ended up really committing my entire life to being one of devotion and self-care and really finding the love in everything because that's what was true for me. And that was the gift that was bestowed upon me in this life. And I didn't want to waste it anymore. Wow. That is a lot. And that is a story. Ooh. I mean, I was getting shivers when you were talking about just all the things happening at one time. That That's so intense. Do you feel like 
that trauma and all of that, you know, sorrow has given you purpose to what you're doing now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I never would be able to stare in the face of other people's extreme trauma if I hadn't faced my own. And through that healing process, there was so much I got to look at with what my dad had done in the world and what I had gone through as a child with my mom who, you know, drank a lot and there was a lot of chaos. And because I was willing to face my own shadow, my own pain, that's what has allowed me to hold other people in theirs without even flinching. You know, people will come to me and be like, this is big. And I'm like, bring it to me. Like, trust me, I can handle it. Like there's nothing, there's nothing someone can share that I have a hard time holding space for. Like I'm here to really be present to the entirety and the spectrum of the human journey. And all of it is part of that. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how the right wording, but it's almost within that pain there was a gift because you're able to now help people that are grieving, you know? Yeah. And like you said, love, love can come through the hardest of times. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm learning that more every day now and just really seeing how even in the depth of our despair and sorrow and loss and grief and pain, Love is actually sitting right there. Sure. It's sitting right next to us. It's always available. It's pervasive. It's flowing through you. The only reason we grieve anything is because we loved it so much. That's true. And so love is never not present. And and teaching that is really my gift because being present to it is something that's actually very natural for me. And so it is such a huge gift to have gone through everything that I've lived through while it was really challenging and painful. I I've seen over and over again, with so many clients and friends in my own journey that our trauma is what shapes us and it's what carves us out and we get carved out and that's more room for love and it's more room for connection and depth. And, you know, those people who have really had their ass handed to them by life, they tend to be tender and soft and loving and kind and patient because they get it. And, you know, I, I'm one of those people. I know what it's like to hurt so bad that you wonder how you're going to survive it. And it's such a gift to be able to make it through the other side of those moments and to be able to be there for others when they're there. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, I know there's a lot more work that goes into it, but just even that idea of having love no matter what like that's a comfort because some people may not initially think that when they're going through something or if I'm listening to your story I'm just like oh my gosh that sounds horrible but with the time and the work but that really does even just listening to it knowing that love is there like that really feels comforting so that's beautiful yeah and it's it is hard to find in those moments there have been moments lately where it feels like there's no love left in the whole world sometimes. And I know that other humans feel that way. And I also know, you know, through daily meditation, I get to be my human experiencing what I'm experiencing while also being the one watching myself experience it. And so now at this point, I'm 
you know, in my experience and I'm in the grief and in the pain and I'm feeling alone in the universe. And then I'm also watching my poor little human have this really hard experience yeah. where she's forgotten herself as love. And that's okay. Cause that's part of our humanity is waking up and remembering and putting all of the pieces back together and becoming whole, remembering that we're already whole. Right. Yeah, I actually did an episode uh, maybe like a month ago, I think, or a few weeks ago about the beauty of incarnating here because in this plane we get to experience all the feelings. Like you said, you know, our true self is love and uh, truth, but here we kind of forget that. There's the veil. So I think for some people that are listening, they may not be familiar with this thought process. Can you kind of maybe explain your interpretation of that? Like what it means to kind of be like awakening and remembering our true selves and our true truths. Like, is that, you know, I kind of know, but explain just like the soul versus like the human experience. Yeah. Uh, luckily for us, there are so many ways to understand this and, you know, different different practices and different understandings and different ways that it's articulated will resonate with different people. Um, everything that I teach is based from the idea or from the truth that we're one, that we are consciousness and that we're energy and love is just a synonym, a synonym for energy, consciousness, uh, light, oneness. And you know, if we're one, we're everything that ever was and ever will be, there's no contrast. And so the idea is that we came down here and we chose to incarnate and form and split ourselves up into separate entities. And I call myself a Nina and you call yourself a Lauren and we are pretending that we're different and that we're, you know, we're having these unique experiences through the mind. We're perceiving reality through our mind mm -hmm. And we're experiencing ourselves through the mirror of this world. And so, you know, what I know is that we are one and that we can't actually die and we couldn't ever actually be broken either. We just think that we are. Uh, and so the idea is that we're playing a game. It's the Leela, right? It's the Maya, the illusion that we're separate from God when really we are it. Um, and I use the word God as a synonym for oneness or sure. consciousness, not as a like white dude with a beard right. in the sky. Um, and if that's what you believe, totally cool too. Yeah. Uh, but really it's about being on this planet and being willing to call home and love all of the places of disharmony in your consciousness, in your body, in your thought in your emotions and really just bringing love to those spaces, bringing awareness to those spaces where there's really nothing to fix. You know, you're not broken and there's such a spiritual buffet out there. Everyone, you know, we get attached to plant medicines or these ceremonies or these books or these ways of being when in reality, like we contain everything that we would need to awaken. We are, we are it. We're the microcosm of the all. Right. Uh, and so being in this Leela, this divine play where we get to remember the truth of who we are at whatever pace we choose, uh, at whatever rate, in whatever ways, there's really no wrong that can be done here. Uh, because in the end, we're all actually one field. It's one conscious field of energy. Yeah. Uh, 
And so, yeah, for me, like awakening and remembering is really just your journey home to yourself as the one and learning to treat the world and yourself as if you know that and you remember it and being able to enjoy the beauty of being human. Like you were saying, if we were still oneness, we wouldn't have experience. We have to have separation in order to have contrast. And so if you understand that it's a game and that you chose to come here, we look at trees and just go, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Like, look at thing. Like, wow. Uh, And it does get you to that place where even the pain can be beautiful. Even sadness can be so beautiful to witness. If you watch someone move energy through their body, through emotion, and they're doing it in a way that's unrestricted, where they've forgotten to shut down. They've forgotten that it's not okay to be sad in public. You know, we're taught so much around how we're supposed to be, but when we shed that and we're willing to really allow ourselves to be witnessed and to see each other in the rawness of our experience, there's nothing more beautiful than that. Like that is our humanity. That's the beauty of being in a body. And it gets to be part of the joy of being alive. Wow, you explained that all really well. And selfishly, I have a question, but I'm sure others will benefit from it because I hear, you know, I've heard this and I'm sure many have heard that, you know, where we're not separate from source or consciousness. We're all one. That's a very common spiritual, you know, um, notion or practice. You know, we are one. We are all one. But, you know, I always like in my human brain, I'm thinking like, okay, we're here and this is an illusion, but it, it feels like it's reality. Is this just a temporary, like, can you, can you kind of explain that? Cause that is something that I've tried to explain to people and it, it's hard. Like I get the concept, but if this is an illusion, why does it feel real to us right now? Is it just part of the experience? Yeah, I love this. And it's something that I also just, love to unpack and piece back together my mentors because on one hand like none of it matters because it's all a game and on the other hand all of it matters because we're here yeah and so the idea of presence is really the anchor in that question for me it's okay, none of it really matters and we can't do it wrong. So like if you want to go live on a mountain in India and never speak to anyone again, you can't. However, your soul will call you to do what you're meant to do here. And that is the important piece is do you feel in alignment with how you're using your energy here? You know, do you feel like you're living your dharma? Uh, For those of you who don't know what that means, uh, Hinduism describes dharma as your your mission, you know, your, your divine purpose. Like, why'd you come here? What'd you sign up to do? Uh, and that can be a really tough question for people to answer sometimes. Uh, and intentional in your life, like to be all here because you're all here. Like this is what we're doing right now. So we might as well be totally present to it and invest also like not take everything so seriously all yeah. the time like yeah. screw something up when really screwing it up is the only way to be a human like there's no rule book there is many on how to be a human if one of them right like we'd find the right one and we'd just stick with it part of the dance inquiry of like what is actually real 
what's just perception? Like, even when we think about color, way our eyes. So if we think about that, this whole thing is the way that we are interpreting matter and light and energy. That's it. And so there's something really beautiful about that where there's a vastness and it allows us to kind of zoom in to the depth and the magic of the moment while also zooming out to like the void and how like we don't really know 99.96% of what exists in the universe. Like we can actually only observe 0.04%. That's a real statistic. Yeah. And so for me as like this spiritual seeker and just junkie, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's so cool. That means that like what we can perceive through the mind is like, it's not even a fraction of like what's actually out there. And And it can feel daunting for some, but for me, it feels fun and expansive and exciting. It's very exciting. (laughs) (laughs) The more questions you ask, the more you feel that you don't know. But then at the same time, I don't know, it it all makes sense at the same time. It's it's a wild ride for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, we could keep diving down that rabbit hole, but I I do want to kind of just because you are so familiar with it personally and helping people, which we'll get to the experience freedom, uh, your workshops, but Um, Can you kind of talk about just how trauma plays a role in people's lives? Um, You know, conscious trauma and unconscious. So, you know, for people that are kind of like, what? You're aware something happened. Your friend passed away. You're conscious of that. That's a real feeling. And then there's unconscious trauma. That could be things that either you don't remember, perhaps, or things that happened in past lives or whatever. Like, can you kind of speak to that? Yeah, trauma is one of my favorite topics ever. It's a huge piece of the work that I do. Uh, And so let's start by defining what trauma is. A lot of the work that I do is loosely based off of much of the research done by Peter Levine, who's really like the original gangster in our current trauma and how it affects brain. Um, So living in this incredible time where we know more than we've ever known before, like our parents did not have access to the ability to heal trauma in the way that we do now. And so for me, like that has been some of the most exciting pieces of my work is really understanding trauma and helping people be free of it and seeing what the gifts are. So Trauma is really the experience of feeling unsafe. It's a perceived threat and and an inability to respond to that threat, which is why a lot of our trauma comes from childhood, right? Because when you're a baby and your parent leaves the room, you feel unsafe. Yeah. The ability to respond to that threat other than by crying. And you don't know if your parent is ever coming back. Uh, and so it really doesn't take an actual threat to experience trauma in the brain. It's the perception of a threat. And so we can watch this collectively. If there's a perceived threat just in your community or on the planet, like we've been going through for the last year and a half, um, or if it's the idea of a threat coming, uh, that's still traumatizing for people in their brain. And so what happens is perceived threat 
uh, inability to respond to that threat and our body does the thing that we need it to, which is go through a trauma response to keep us alive. Uh, often they're, they're categorized in a lot of different ways now, but more often than not, it's fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Uh, your body dumps a ton of adrenaline, cortisol, a lot of different hormones that you need in order to get to safety. So most often we don't actually run or fight or freeze or fawn. Sometimes we do, but our body is preparing us to do that. And if you are familiar with this topic or you've read Waking the Tiger or Healing Trauma or you've seen any nature show, you see that animals, when they are under threat and they get away, so say like an antelope is being chased by a cheetah on every nature show we've ever seen, usually the antelope gets away somehow and we're like, oh my gosh, it's like right there. The cheetah like grabs it by the ankle, but the antelope scurries away. What happens after that is the antelope gets to safety, it stops, and it shakes its whole body vigorously to expel the extra adrenaline cortisol hormones and energy that was flooded through the system. And then it takes a series of deep breaths, resets the brain, resets the body, and it goes about its antelope way without carrying a bunch of trauma. Mm. Don't have that mechanism. There's like a glitch in (laughs) the human experience. And, uh, we not only don't expel the extra energy from our body and our brain and our system and then reset it, we also don't tell our brain that we're safe again Mm. because we don't have that ability. It's not a, it's not an autonomic system that happens. And so often humans are carrying way high stress levels of like stress hormones in their body because they haven't gotten rid of the, you know, surges of energy that have occurred when they've experienced any type of trauma, like direct abuse is one thing, but emotional abuse is another thing. Like someone making a subtle comment to you every day for four years about how you're not good enough. That's traumatizing. That will create a threat to your system. You don't feel worthy or safe. Um, And so there's a lot of subtle trauma and, like I mentioned, not only do we not expel that in the moment, we never tell our brain that we're safe again. And so what we have is a lot of people who are actually just walking around in a low level trauma response all the time Mm. because they don't feel safe in the world because they've experienced enough threat and not enough reset in their nervous system that their nervous system is just in a state of response to trauma 100% of the time. Uh, And that's what makes us sick and scared. Totally. Well, yeah. And I mean, it can come out in physical ailments too, right? I mean, that can make us physically ill. Oh, yeah. I mean, I believe that all physical symptoms are indicative of something mental, emotional, or um, spiritual underneath it. There's There's a deeper content to every single symptom in the physical body. The body's a symbol. It's inviting us where to look. People who are sick or they have aches or pain or chronic injury, chronic pain, disease, et cetera, they think their body's against them when really your body's actually doing you the biggest favor ever. It's telling you, Hey, something's not right here and it needs to be looked at. We can't ignore the body when we don't feel safe in the body. We can't really function, right? Like if my body's not allowing me to like get off the couch and go to the gym or go for a walk. I, I have to look at what's there. It's the loudest symbol we can get. We've learned to numb our emotional pain really, really well. Yeah. We've learned to hide our mental anguish 
but physical pain you can't hide from. And so that's really the, the body's last alarm uh, going, hey, this needs to be addressed. And that's exactly why we're in so many epidemics of cancer and heart disease and liver failure and all of these different um, symptoms of us ignoring the deeper layers of hu- the human psyche. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Holding in trauma and stress over years, my goodness, it's a, a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay, well, what are, I mean, um, let's talk about, I guess, then that's a nice segue into expre- experience freedom. And I know it's not just what you do there, right? But uh, what are some ways that you do help people uh, with trauma and in other areas heal and, and kind of wake up to their best selves? Yeah, I would say that the patterns we create around our trauma are really what keep us from being in the truth of who we are. Uh, and that is, it's, it's shame, really. You know, something happens to us. We create a pattern around it because we felt unsafe. And once we become aware enough to know that we have a pattern, often people are like, okay, yeah, I know what's happening. I know this is not getting me to where I want to go. I know there's a pattern occurring. Why can't I change it? I can't. I keep doing the same thing. What the hell? I'm so aware. I'm meditating. I know the things. What's going on? And I'm like, okay, well, your body is dependent on that pattern to keep you alive. That's what's happening. And so it's not until we actually get to reroute some of the patterning in our brain that we get to be free of those patterns because it's not the pattern, it's, it's the trauma. And often it's not even the trauma that's stuck. It's that we are keeping the trauma stuck by coating it in this thick layer of shame that society has helped us do where we think that if we're witnessed in our pain or in our trauma, that we will be rejected. Mm-hmm. That, oh, if you've been abused or raped or abandoned or neglected, you're not worthy of love. Mm-hmm. So hide that part of you and do whatever you can to be likable and then you'll be safe. And that starts to eat us away because people love the mask. They don't love the true version of us. And we feel alone, even in a room of people who say they love us. If we haven't told them who we really are and what we're really carrying, then we don't trust love because we are creating a version of ourselves to get love. And so what I do in my containers is create a depth of safety between men, women, and non-binary people so that they feel safe enough to be witnessed by one another. And that dissolves shame. And once the the shame dissolves, then we can get into like the limbic brain and into the body because a lot of people do talk therapy for 15 years and they're wondering why they still have trauma responses and their patterns are still there. And it's because the mind and the brain are not the same thing. The brain is an organ, it's the body. And so, you know, those books, like The Body Keeps the Score, Healing Trauma, et cetera, it takes a somatic lived experience in order to move trauma. You can't just talk about it. Um, It's not a mental thing. You don't mindset your way out of trauma. You need the mindset work to support your trauma work, absolutely. But what you need to heal trauma is a disconfirming experience. And so most of our trauma is created through unsafe relationship. And so what I do is create containers of safe relationship. And so people end up connecting in ways and in places and at depths that have at one point felt very unsafe and they do it in a held container by someone they trust me 
with each other after they've earned each other's trust and they open and we see what's there and we create new deep relationship and a new experience where they're actually safe to be in deep connection and their body is safe to be held by somebody of the opposite gender identification and not be projected on or pulled from or abused. Um, there are so many different ways that we go about healing trauma and experience freedom because it's always unique to who's in it. Um, but that's always the perfect recipe is that someone will come in with this thing that needs to be healed. And then someone else comes in with like the exact mirror to that thing. And you know, this is outside. That's like the magic part of how these containers go, but, but really that's the beauty. And then what happens is kind of what you asked earlier is, you know, what are the gifts in this? And what happens when we are free of our trauma is that we go, oh my gosh, it's possible, you guys. That means everyone can be free of their trauma. We think that we're stuck this way forever. And the body tells us that so that we continue to behave in ways that will get us safety. But when we create a new experience where now we're just safe because we are, because we're sovereign and we make our own choices and we've reparented and we trust people because we can, it changes our entire experience of the world. And then we go out into it and we show other people that they can be free of their trauma too. And we have the room to talk into these experiences and to meet and patience and understanding. And there are few people who go through the depth of freedom that occurs through trauma work and don't want to somehow give that gift away. Like those are the people who are out there giving their love because they want everyone to feel as free as they feel in whatever way they're able to, you know, shepherd that into the world. Not everybody's going to be a healer or a coach, but you know, if you're a veterinarian or a teacher or you can be literally anything, it's the way you show up to the world with a relaxed nervous system and a straight spine and an open heart with a soft belly, like your nervous system, just by being in proximity to other people are showing others that it's possible to live in a state of peace and connection. And that's what everybody wants. Wow. <laughs> that's so cool. That's beautiful. That's amazing. That, that just shows the power of connection and of oneness, right? I mean, not feeling alone in your, your trauma, your pain or your shame, like having someone else there with you, that, that love that, that is truly healing. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. Um, what other types of things do you guys do besides just trauma healing and experience freedom? Yeah, I take people through a four month process. So it's a four month online group and it includes a luxury seven night retreat. And so essentially we start by getting to know one another, building trust. Uh, we get very clear on what our basic needs are and we learned to meet them for ourselves. And so it really begins with like radical self-care and radical alignment uh, we get a clear idea of what would feel really exciting for us in our lives, what we want to feel. Uh, we do some mindset work as well. And I help people create systems to feel good in their life, systems that work for them, uh, that are unique to their makeup. I include some astrology, some human design, some, you know, all these little bits and pieces that I've been trained in. Uh, and then once we're ready, the fun part is that the trauma and the shame 
tends to just rise and reveal itself. We don't even have to like get in there and dig for it because once you've created enough safety in your own body and in a container of people, we want to be seen. We want to be witnessed. We want to be in a level of connection that we've never experienced before. Mm. And that's just one of the superpowers I have is creating safe container where people actually know that they're safe to share what's true for them. And once those connections are made, it's, it's just the most beautiful thing I've ever witnessed in my life. Like the friendships that are created out of my program are just unbelievable. They really are. Uh, and it's not even something that we try to do. It's just what happens naturally when you're that freaking real with each other. You know, yeah. you can't help but love someone who's got the courage to bear their truth to you. Um, and so once we do that and we start repatterning and teaching our nervous system how to feel safe in the world, uh, we dive into boundaries and relationships and uh, the alpha and omega energies, our inner masculine, our inner feminine. I help people connect more deeply to the divine and their own sacred gifts that they contain. I help them feel safe to share them and to expand them and to use them in the world, connecting people more deeply to their intuition and their own sense of self and just like loving their own unique path of self-discovery and being willing to share that in community. Uh, and then if people want, I help them birth some of those gifts into the world in a way that's in service to humanity. And so really the biggest requirement for me in interviewing people to come through experience freedom is that they have a heart of service, that they're not just doing this work for themselves, that they're actually really committed to seeing a world where there's happiness and freedom for all beings everywhere. That's like my mission is that we're here for each other and we're here for the collective awakening. Um, And we start here and we create these little mini experiences of what the world could actually look like if we showed up to one another with truth and compassion and kindness and grace. Like it's not just true for the 10 people I take every three months through this experience. Like this is what's possible for us. And so I like to give people a lived felt experience of that so that they take it and they go back into their lives and out into the world and they spread it in whatever way is authentic to them. And like I said, it doesn't even have to be that they build a business around it or they have this specific offering. It's just them showing up to life with their own sense of truth and authenticity and sovereignty and love and compassion that changes the world. Like it really, really does. And that to me is the most exciting part is watching what people go do with it after they leave experience freedom and who they become and how they touch their communities and their families and their friends. Wow. I love that. That's speaking my language, <laughs> the collective, cause that's really what we need to heal to change, change this earth. Um, that's a perfect segue too, because I actually did specifically want to ask you your opinion on what is going on in the collective right now um, and, and this great awakening, if you will. Um, there's a lot of you know controversy with that term. I've even had a hashtag banned from one of my videos, the great awakening. So censorship and all of the crazy stuff that's been happening the year and a half, but also just the positivity that's happening in the awakening. I'd love to just get your idea on what really is happening right now on this earth. Yeah. Uh, I'm not arrogant enough to say that I have every answer and, uh, I'm present to there being a lot of different levels of perception and reality for a lot of different people. And so, um, 
before I share what I'm witnessing, I just want to acknowledge that what people are perceiving is, you know, one's experience is valid um, from their level of perception. So there isn't a right and a wrong. Uh, I also have now steered away from using the terms of great awakening because it's somehow been adopted by a lot of conspiracy theorists. And uh, it's been like run away with in a lot of communities that I find to act. Um, And so what I know is that nothing that remains hidden can be brought into harmony. And so the first step of healing anything is bearing witness to it. So that means if we're going to wake up collectively in the ways that so many of us know we're here to, it means bearing witness to every single place where we're asleep. Mm. And I've watched a lot of that occur over the last, I mean, over my whole life, but particularly in the last, I would say, five years, we have watched a radical revealing of all the ways that we have been treating each other and the planet that are not sustainable and are not in alignment with love and cannot continue if we want to see the world that we want to live in. Um, I'm one of those crazy people who knows that absolute world peace is actually possible because I know the truth of people's hearts. I know that we all actually want the same thing and we have strayed so far from that. But when you have a conversation with somebody who's, for example, on the far right, and you have a conversation over a meal with somebody who's on the far left and you actually ask those people deeper questions, deeper questions, deeper questions, doesn't matter where you personally fall. Like we all actually end up wanting the same things. We want resources and safety and love for us and the people that we care about. That's it. And we are conditioned to think that there are specific ways of going about that. And then we attach to them and we've inherited a lot of trauma and repeated um, a lot of ideologies that are very damaging and we've really pillaged this planet to the point of, you know, a lot of pain and destruction. But what I'm seeing, especially in the kids right now, is that like they deeply care about the earth in a way that I think our generation kind of glazed over somehow. We got distracted by technology and uh, I think even myself as somebody who considers myself an absolute warrior for the earth and a wisdom keeper here. Uh, I didn't actually see just how much damage was being done to the planet through my adolescence. Mm -hmm. And now we have woken up at such a radical rate that we can't deny the effect that we're having on the planet and the water and the animals and just how unified it all is. Like this is our home and I'm watching people become so much more deeply connected to nature and so much more deeply connected to the earth and to themselves and to each other through contrast, really, right? Like we're waking up through contrast. Happens when we don't show up to each other in a way that's kind and patient and unifying. And now I've really gotten to see everyone take another look at how they're living their life and start to question if the choices that we've been making out of habit 
and like societal and cultural norm are actually getting us to where we want to go. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, there's a shift happening, but like if you think about a car that's driving like a hundred miles an hour and it wants to stop and turn the other direction, like it isn't just like, okay, yeah. it's, there's so much disruption that's happening right now. We're trying to bring all of these systems that have an incredible amount of momentum to a screeching halt and turn that whole ship around and then walk the other way. Of course, it's going to be a gigantic mess in that process. And I think that's what we're living through right now. Um, And so I just remind people that like really at the base of it is the first thing I said that we can't heal what we're not willing to acknowledge. So that means we first get to look at all of the stuff that's not working and that takes so much courage. So if you're on the planet right now and you're awake and you're willing to look like you've signed up for the biggest job ever. I think we're the cleanup crew. We're the ones who are coming in and being like, "Uh, Hey, you guys, uh, this is not sustainable and this is not where we want to go. We're the canaries mm. and they, the, the consciousness of this planet needs us okay. to trust the divine unfolding and also be willing to take action in the direction that we know is going to bring us closer to love and peace and harmony. Um, so I feel really hopeful. And I also know that like being in the death and rebirth process is super messy and it's really challenging and it can be really horrifying and scary and, the people who are resisting that process are being dragged or, you know, there's also a mass exodus of souls happening. People are dying at rates that like we have not seen in a really long time for one reason or another. It's not just the pandemic. There's just like souls are just exiting here and there constantly. And so I'm watching the energy shift Mm -hmm. drastically. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm not arrogant enough to say I know exactly how it turns out in my lifetime, uh, but I know that I'm committed to creating a world that is more harmonious and peaceful and connected to the earth. And if I get to inch us closer until the day that I leave this body, then I'll have fulfilled my mission here. And I'm not the only one who's committed to that, which is exciting. Yeah. Ooh, I love it. Thank you. And thanks for your perspective. And I that's why I love to ask people, a lot of different people, these questions because everyone has a little bit of a different perspective, but I think there is a similarity. So I'm nodding my head when I'm listening to all this stuff. Like, yes, I, I do believe we came here. I talk about that a lot in this podcast. And that's a new way of thinking for a lot of people. Uh, we came here, we chose to come here during this time to help wake up humanity. Um, and I agree with you. I've heard from many others uh, that uh, young children that are coming in now even are even more so here to help wake up and their love and their energy. So it's really an exciting time to be here. It's hard at times. <laughs> There's a lot of struggles. We're sorting through a lot, but it's also a crazy cool time to be here energetically speaking. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, could do a whole episode on just that. <laughs> um so, yeah, but I think, is there anything else that you, you'd like to share with people, maybe just that are watching? I know it's a lot, we've covered a lot, but just anyone that's going through anything with, with grief or, or stress right now, do you have any, any tips, just some small things that you've used in your life to kind of help you through, through the traumas that you've been through? Yeah, yeah I have loads of tips. Okay. Uh, <laughs> If I could give one gift to every single person, it would be a meditation practice. 
meditation is truly the best thing you can do to heal your life in every single category, hands down, no exceptions. And it's free. Yeah. And anyone can do it. And so when I say meditation, I mean a daily sitting practice in silence, either watching your breath or chanting a mantra in silence in your mind. I am is the great mantra to use. I am, I am, I am in silence in your mind, sitting for 10, 20, 30 minutes every day. Uh, it grows the place of inner peace that already exists inside you. And it allows you to meet the world in a new way and to meet each other in a new way and to meet yourself in a new way. And so, you know, if you're feeling grief or loss or overwhelm or stress, uh, sitting in silence is likely to feel like the most torturous thing that you can do uh, when you're hurting. And I know that very well. And I also know through experience that it is the most powerful thing that you can do for yourself is actually be with what's there because that's how we dissolve the energy. That's how we bring harmony to the places that hurt is with our presence. There's nothing more healing than the power of our absolute presence. And so if we can practice that like a muscle and give ourselves that gift, like I would love to live in a world where meditating before you leave the house is just as common or necessary as brushing your teeth before you leave the house. Like you wouldn't dream of waking up and not brushing your teeth and going out into the world. That's how I feel about meditation. And I know that the world would be a very different place if we all treated meditation that way. Um, And the reason why I offer it as like my first tip is because of how accessible it is. And it's been done for over 5,000 years for a reason. Now we have all of this scientific data to back that up as well. You know, Joe Dispenza is doing incredible work showing the functions of the brain after meditation. Um, And the science and spirituality community are really starting to unite around meditation specifically, that it can truly heal the body, the brain, your emotions, uh, your mind, of course. And, you know, having a connection to the divine is a superpower in this life we get into moments of stark contrast in our humanity where we feel alone and everything feels hard and insurmountable. But if you have been sitting in meditation, you will have a connection to the part of you that is the one that is eternal, that is consciousness, that is inner stillness, inner silence, inner peace, that is love. And it gives you the strength to move through things that feel insurmountable because you've been willing to sit with yourself in it. Yeah. Good. Good tip and good reminder because there are a lot of distractions here and it, you do feel so separate from from love and peace and source, if you will. So that is good because I, I do believe too, everything is within us. It doesn't feel like it, but when you take the time to tap in, it's there for you. So that is a great tip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, thank you and for everything. Yeah. I just wanted to add this one tiny piece. Um for me, getting myself to do the thing uh, has been challenging in the past. And so I use an app called Insight Timer mm-hmm. and they track your consecutive days. Mm-hmm. And so for me now, you know, I think I'm at like 450 consecutive days or something like that. Uh, it can be a fun way to gamify mm-hmm. uh, your own commitment to your meditation mm-hmm. practice. And so they say that which is measured grows. 
Um, and so if you take that approach, sometimes it can be helpful to actually doing the thing amongst so much distraction, like you said. Yeah. And the other piece, do it first thing in the morning before you turn your phone on. Like mm. nothing happens before meditation. That's like the best way to guarantee that you're actually going to do it every day. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good tip. Yeah. I have had some of those apps on my phone too. I think I need a little help. So that's a good idea. I should try doing that and <laughs> tracking it. <laughs> Um, cool. Wow. Well, thanks for everything that you've shared today. It's a lot and it's all wonderful and beautiful and helpful. It's just, like I said, it's a good reminder. Like there's so much going on here and man, we have a lot cut out for us, but at the same time, it's all just here. Like you said, I am, it's actually really simple at the same time. So, um, I want people to be able to find you. Um, where can they find out more about experience freedom? Where can they find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is at I-T-S-N-I-N-A-C-A-M-I-L-L-E. So it's at It's Nina Camille. And you can learn more about Experience Freedom on our website, which is experiencefreedom.co. I can also be found at ninacamille.com. I'm on Facebook under Nina Camille. Um, I'm pretty accessible on the internet. I also respond to every single message, email, and DM I ever receive. (laughs) So if you (laughs) felt resonant with anything that I've shared, I also have a YouTube channel where there's tons of talks and videos and testimonials for experience freedom from people who have been through it. Um, So yeah, I, I love to connect with people who are interested in these conversations. They're really what make me feel most alive and in purpose. And I love to be of service to people's journey back to themselves. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you for your service and for all that you do for helping so many. It's really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you for having these conversations. They're so fun and so powerful. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. And what I feel is my, my service here is to be a communicator and to share um, people's stories and, uh, the work that uh, people are doing. So it's, it's really fun to engage with people like you. Thank you to technology. Mm -hmm. And I I will throw in, uh, for anyone listening, there were a couple little, you'll, you'll hear in the audio, we've had some zoom connections. So it's, it's still, most of it was really great, but if you do hear just a couple in and outs, thanks for your patience. So we've been having some technical difficulties with zoom, but, um, we're grateful that it ended up working out. So, Uh, Sorry about that. But um, again, thanks, Nina, for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening and for tuning into Lauren.Live. As always, you can find me on Instagram, at RealLaurenLive, and my website, Lauren.Live. I would love if you would share this video and subscribe. It helps me get this content out to more people, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best. Cheers. Cheers.